for joining us on the Renewed Mind Life podcast. I'm Carol. And I'm Denise. This is a place for Christian women who are ready to experience the freedom that comes from trusting God with your mind, body, and spirit. Hello, welcome back, everyone. It's Renewed Mind Life podcast with Cheryl and Denise. And today it's my turn to be on the hot seat. I get to be interviewed. <laughs> so um, Denise is going to ask pretty much um, the similar questions to when I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. And hopefully between now and then you've had a chance to listen to our HALT episode, which is something that a lot of us really need to pay attention to during the holidays. So I'm ready whenever you are, Denise. All right. Well, I'm so excited to interview uh, one of my closest friends, Cheryl, today, and obviously um, my partner here on the podcast. So we'll go ahead and get started. You're ready, Cheryl? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Okay, so why don't we just get started then? So uh, why don't you tell me about your childhood? Um, was there, you know, addiction in the home, dysfunction? Let's just start at the very beginning. Okay, um, no, there, there. I grew up in a alcohol-free home. It, you know, they were teetotalers. My parents um, were, as part of their religious practice, they were um, of a faith, a Christian denomination that was very against alcohol and smoking and, you know, even wearing makeup or going to the movies or anything. So it was a very fundamentalist religion. So in my, my primary home, it wasn't something that was there. I never even saw it, but in my extended family, I think there was, you know, things going on. So I really don't know a lot about my parents' parents. And, you know, if there was, you know, if there was a reason for this, you know, extreme aversion to alcohol, but, um, I didn't grow up with it and it was very much demonized. So when I started going to high school and you have, you know, party scenes, sometimes the kids are drinking and whatnot. And that became something that I, I wanted to do in order to fit in. So I think the basis of it really was coming from, you know, I, my mom, bless her heart. She really wanted to have this American lifestyle and being from Mexico, she felt it was her job to make me as American and my sisters as American as we could be. But I came out when I, when I say came out, I was born the darkest <laughs> of the three with dark brown hair, dark brown eyes, olive complexion. Um, and so this was something that she didn't really appreciate about me. So she was, as I was growing up, constantly trying to dye my hair or, you know, lighten my skin with lemon juice and, you know, get me blue contacts, the whole bit. So I grew up thinking there was something fundamentally wrong with me and that people wouldn't like me the way I am. So, and this was just a subconscious thing. I didn't, didn't actually say it out loud. And my mother never said that out loud. It was just when you treat your child that they, like they have something physically wrong with them, they grow up thinking that they do. So when I was in high school, that was a way for me to fit in and not feel so awkward and so, you know, uncomfortable. And I was just had such low self-esteem. And when you get that you know, I think I was probably 
13 or 14 years old when I had my first drink. And it was like, oh, I can be funny. I can like, I can have a personality here. I can actually talk because I was, as a result of that, I was so shy. I couldn't even talk to anybody, but alcohol allowed me to have a loose tongue, make jokes. I was liked. So it was a way for me to really fit in in high school. So did your parents know that you had started drinking in high school? No, no, I really was good at hiding it. And actually alcohol wasn't the biggest thing. The the big thing in high school was marijuana, you know, and that was really easy to get, really easy to get away with, you know, but you just spray some cologne, boom, you're good. So the alcohol wasn't really a big part of my high school years um, at all. And so they didn't really, you know, if, if I went to a high school party, it was probably once every couple of months or so. It wasn't all the time. So drinking wasn't a huge part of my life back then. But the marijuana was? You were doing oh, yeah. that? Yeah, that was huge. That was a daily thing. Oh, okay. So when did you realize you might have a problem with alcohol or marijuana? Or I don't know if you did any other substances or if you want to share that you did. I didn't really think I had a problem at all until... I mean, I went to, I went away to college. I was very young. Like when we talked about this in your interview, you were 17. So was I, you went to San Diego. So did I, but I didn't go to San Diego state. I went to a small Christian private college (laughs) in which I had to sign a contract saying that I would not drink or smoke or stay out past curfew. And I did all of the above. So, and I was really immature and I was very unprepared to go off and be on my own at at a college dorm. That just, it was way too early for me. And it was affiliated with our church. So my parents were really, it was kind of a, you know, a feather in their cap for them, for me to go. And looking back, I was like, I was so not ready, you know, to stay home and go to a community college or a college nearby would have been better for me, but you know, hindsight, and you only do the best you can when you're a parent. Right. So they thought they were doing the best they could. But when I was down there, that's when there was more drinking because, you know, college kids have more access to it. And um, there was still the daily marijuana use, but the, um, the alcohol started to become more present and more dangerous. I mean, getting myself in dangerous situations and you hear the horror stories about things that happen with with girls on, you know, like TikTok and whatever, Snapchat, and they're completely out of it and they don't even know what's going on around them. And they become, you know, so unresponsive that people can do whatever they want. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just glad we didn't, (laughs) we didn't have video evidence back then, but there were situations where I was not in any condition to, you know, drive, walk, whatever. And I didn't drive, but I would get in the car with somebody who was, asking mm-hmm. me like, Hey, am I okay? Do you think I'm okay to drive? Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you have to ask me, you're not okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I can't believe the times that I drove. I mean, with one eye open, literally. Oh gosh. Yeah. Just driving by Braille, right? Yeah. Okay. It's time to uh, yeah. But then, uh, you know, because of that, restrictive um environment there the at the church college it was probably about maybe five months before i was asked to leave 
they were like, Hey, this isn't working out. You're not, you're not keeping the contract. You know, you're hopping the wall to come in after curfew. This is probably not a good fit for you, which was unfortunate because it was beautiful. It was right on the shores of San Diego. I mean, I could literally walk to the beach. I squandered that, you know, um, I was just too young to handle the independence at that point. So I moved back home and I went to uh, a college, another Christian college, but it was close enough to my home where I would live. I lived with my parents and I would commute and I had a job and I had, you know, my own money and things like that. So things were really, I was starting to grow up a little bit. And then I met our husband and he, um, he was mature. He was six years older than me. He had a job. He had in his own apartment. He had his own vehicle. These are all, you know, all things that none of the little boys I had dated in high school ever had. <laughs> so I was quite impressed. And, um, as soon as we went on our first date, that was it for me. And that was, that was in September of 1987. And we've been together ever since been a long uh-huh. time and it's been it's been a good time with some ups and downs but um you know just overall it's been a very uh, it's been a blessing it's been a blessing to me and i hope to him too <laughs> although on some days he'd be like oh my gosh but overall we're just you know we we stick together through all of it and in the beginning of our marriage we knew that we wanted to put god at the center we just didn't know how at that time but we knew that god would be involved in our marriage. That's awesome. So, um, so when did you, so you said you didn't realize you had a problem back then and you just partied your way out of college. Yeah. (laughs) And obviously you went back to college, but so then you got married, had some children. Um, so when did you realize that you did have a problem? Yeah. I, I think it took a while because, um, I was quite, functioning, you know, um, when, when I went to that other college where I eventually got my bachelor's degree from, there wasn't really any alcohol involved at all because I didn't like it. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, I certainly didn't like any hangovers. So if, and when I would drink, it was binge, it was to a falling down state and then it would cure me for a good three months. I wouldn't drink at all. I would be like, Oh no, I don't want to do that again. And so I, that's how I lived through, through college and after marriage. And so I was really kind of just using it socially, but every time I did, it was a mess. It was a disaster. So I always knew that I wasn't somebody who could handle alcohol, but I felt like it was socially expected. And like, I would be thought of as, you know, some kind of weirdo if I couldn't drink. So, um, but to answer your question, I really didn't think it was a problem until we moved from, um, we had a bankruptcy and we moved and then that's when I started to rely on it, like more on a, you know, using it a few times a week because by that time, marijuana, I mean, I wasn't using marijuana at all for like many years by that time, because it was just, eh, I kind of outgrew that. And I think I would have been so embarrassed if I, you know, had come up positive on a test or something, because I started to have success in my career. So 
alcohol, though, is perfectly acceptable in career. Um, I started doing sales, just like you did, right? We were doing sales, and in sales, um, it's it's just one of those things. You take clients out. You take them out. A lot of times I would take them out for lunch, and so there wasn't really any drinking then, but sometimes I'd have to take them to a hockey game or out for happy hour or whatever, and then there would be lots and lots of alcohol, you know, because you want to get mm-hmm. everybody in a good mood to say yes to whatever you're selling. <laughs> so I think then um, after working in sales for a while, and then finally having my first child, because we were married for 10 years before I had my first child. And then I didn't think I had a problem then, even though there were some incidents that happened that, you know, clearly were not in the normal range. But then when I had my daughter six years after my son, I said, this is just not, this is not cool. I don't want to be this kind of mom. And I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it because when I would bring it up to my loved ones, they would say, you're fine. You don't have a problem. You're good. And I think it was two part. I think it was one, because I was so good at hiding it. Mm -hmm. And two, because it was easier for them to deny that I had a problem than to admit that maybe they did too. Yeah. Yeah, that that happens sometimes. So at that point, um, what did, what did you do when you came to that realization? If you know there were people you told, and maybe they didn't agree with you. So what steps did you take? I finally just decided that I would go to AA because that's all I knew. So I thought I'd give that a whirl. And um, although I liked the meetings, I didn't really feel comfortable in the program. So I went to several meetings and then I tried celebrate recovery and I went to several meetings there too. Um, and then eventually because I kept slipping, I thought there was something wrong with me and that nothing was going to work. And so I just gave up and gave into that lifestyle for a long time until it became a daily necessity It was no longer an option. It was no longer my choice. It was something that I had to do in order to get by each day. Yeah. And not a lot. I'm not talking volume. Right. For me, for my my body type and my chemical composition, a little bit Mm -hmm. is a lot for me. Right. So Mm -hmm. when even when I would go to medical professionals and I would say, hey, you know, this and this is going on, you know, I'm. I mean, I'm going to get really graphic here. When you have blood in your stool and you're Mm -hmm. like freaking out because you know there's probably something alcohol related. So you go to the doctor and you tell them and the doctor and the nurse both say, well, that's not that much. You don't drink that much. What? (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) So um, these kind of interactions with the medical profession too didn't help any because I wasn't to the level where I had lost a job. I hadn't gotten any DUIs. I still looked relatively healthy. Um, and I had, you know, the volume I was drinking wasn't what they would consider, you know, a strong alcohol abuser. But to me, I knew that it was, I mean, I knew that this was not just because of the physical 
symptoms. It was standing between me and right relationship with God. I couldn't move forward in my Christian walk with, with this because not because God thinks alcohol is bad, whatever. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that for me, my relationship couldn't move forward when I had um, hangovers, when I was thinking about drinking or when I was drinking, when I was consumed with that, instead of being consumed with what God wants for my life. Right. It just creates that shadow, that darkness from the spirit. You know, that's what it did. I didn't even know about the Holy Spirit, but it just now I know that it was just casting a shadow between me and the spirit. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, and I used to even think like, because, you know, there's another name for alcohol and it's called spirits. Right. Right. And um, I would just pray all the time, like, God, I don't want to be under the influence of those spirits. Fill me with your spirit, you know, fill me with your spirit. And all the prayers that I would pray over and over again seemed to be unanswered for years, mm -hmm. you know, for years and years. I mean, a decade or more. Um, so I really began to lose any any faith or confidence that um, I was worthy for God to save. Oh. That either he didn't want to save me or could not save me. So then when did you start relying on Jesus and surrender to his will or what happened? I mean, what would you say was the catalyst or what, what happened? What changed? Yeah, I think that, um, well, I had tried a, I had tried celebrate recovery. I had gone through several online courses that are very popular right now and work for a lot of people. Um, but still after every one of those, I would still go back. Mm -hmm. So I think that the surrender part came, um, in 2018 when, um, there was a very tragic <clears throat> event in my family and I didn't see how I was ever going to get over that. Um, mm -hmm. and it made me so reliant on God that I couldn't even think about picking up a drink because I knew that that wasn't going to fix it. Nothing was going to fix it. And though I can't say that there were no more slips after that, the slips happened. And then it was instantly in God's hands. I gave it to God right away instead of holding on to it and building up all this, woe is me resentment, all this blame and shame and taking all of it onto myself. Instantly I gave it to God and said, what can I learn from this? Jesus, what, what did I miss? How was I feeling? And what did I use? Uh, how did I use alcohol to fix that feeling instead of reaching to you instead of looking into your word? So that's not something that came easily. I mean, you're, you're talking about somebody who's been born and raised Christian who in, you know, later midlife is finally learning what it means to really surrender. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. It's not easy. It's something that I believe it's it's a daily surrender, not just not just that it's everything. I feel like every day we have to die, die to ourselves, yep. you know, for everything. Right. And for our addiction to every single thing, whether it be alcohol, coffee, food, oh, yeah. shopping, mm -hmm. whatever it is, we have to die to ourselves. You know, would you agree? I would totally agree. Yeah, because 
Um, there are many things that stand in the way of our relationship with God if we allow them to. Um, so it's just that every day saying, whatever it is that's going to keep me from you, Lord Jesus, would you just take it? Would you remove it? Mm-hmm. And would you give me space so that I can move through it towards you? So uh, what would you say is your biggest blessing of um, alcohol-free lifestyle or, you know, chemical-free lifestyle? Uh, I think once I got, you know, got some sobriety and having to, um, having a good laugh, laughter felt so foreign to me, like genuine belly laugh, you know, it felt so foreign to me that I was like, what is this feeling? Like, what is going on? The joy, the joy, that's what I think has been the biggest blessing. Just being able to go. I mean, like, you know, we, we go places and we don't need absolutely nothing to drink. Right. And we're like cracking ourselves up. We're singing, we're dancing, we're making fools of ourselves in public and we're having a great time. Right. And that's, exactly. that's the, the beauty of it is that you don't, you don't need to, to have a good time. You don't need to numb yourself um, in order to have fun. Exactly. Like a jackhammer in my house, I think. Oh, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> um, so any advice you would give to the women listening now who are desperate for a change? Yeah, I would say that um, the first thing is to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you become more susceptible to stressors that are going to lead you to drink. Okay, so when I say take mm-hmm. care of yourself, like... You know, do the little simple things that are going to make your life easier. Like, and this, this is going to sound silly to some and mundane, but picking out your clothes the night before, right? So you get up in the morning to go to work and you have one less thing to stress about because that starts your day. So then you're already stressed out because you can't find any clean underwear. You're, you know, throwing everything around. Um, so getting, getting little things put in place, systems in place that will make your life easier so that when it comes time for you to decide, I don't want to take this drink, I'm not going to take this drink. You've already given yourself enough strength through the day that you have enough willpower left over to say no to that drink. Because I think what happens is we don't take care of ourselves and we have all these little things pulling us different ways and decisions we have to make. And then we have used up all of our, um, our willpower by the time we get there and we're, we're spent. We're literally emotionally empty. You know, I think that's, that's awesome because I, I still forget to, to always, you know, do that. I used to put my clothes out and lately I haven't. And that's me. I'm like Tasmanian devil in the morning. Spinning around everywhere, like yeah, looking for clean underwear and clean socks. Yeah, it's not helpful to be all stressed out like that. And then I wonder, like, why am I almost late to work? Right, driving a little too fast on the highway and and the too, like you know, with the you're picking out, doing your shopping weekly if you can, or at least you know, shopping for a few days at a time and getting your lunches and your snacks and your dinners all planned out so that you have healthy things to eat and drink in the house so that you're not ending up, you know, being starving. Well a lot of people confuse hunger for thirst. And what do they reach for when they're thirsty is what they're used to. 
you know, maybe the wine or whatever. Um, so making sure that you're, you're stocked with healthy things to eat and drink. Good advice. So what is your favorite Bible verse and why? My favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. And mm-hmm. it's for, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. And I love that verse because when, um, especially when I was going through all of that with the family, um, four years ago, I knew that nothing, all my plans at that point had been turned upside down. Literally nothing was going the way I had planned. And Uh, I just kept thinking like, what is going on, God? What are you doing here? And his plan is perfect. So that verse just reminds me that I've got you. Yes, everything seems to be turned upside down right now, but I still have a plan for you. And not only do I have a plan for you, I have a plan for your family members that are hurting and suffering right now too. I have all of you in my mind. And what it says, when it says declares the Lord, I love that because God does, it doesn't just say, says the Lord, which it does in mm-hmm. some places in the Bible will say, you know, um, do not fear, says the Lord. This one declares. And that to me is even stronger. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, so many times uh, we forget that, uh, that God, he doesn't lie. You know, and what he says, he says. Yeah. And we just have to trust in him and remember that, you know, his yeses are yes, his noes are noes. Right. And he does have a plan for us. And we need not rely on our own will because that's, you know, what had us picking up a drink, you know? Right. So, what's your favorite movie? Oh, I have two. And I know this is like, this is so stupid, but this is my kind of movie. My first one is Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I like that one because when my son was little, I took him to see it. It was probably, he was probably like five years old, but we weren't going to see that movie. We were going to see another movie, but when we got there, it had already started. So we're like, oh, okay, well, let's just see what this one is. So we went in there and we died laughing, both of us, the whole time. And to the point where, like, for Mother's Day and different things, he would always get me a card, with Napoleon Dynamite card, you know. <laughs> so there's that one. And, um, and the second one is Nacho Libre. I know, I know. I can't, I can't account for my tastes in comedy. I um, realize that they're probably pretty juvenile, but Nacho Libre, I know that entire movie by heart. It's just, it's just it's like sweet. It's, um, you know, you've got this innocent kind of guy and he wants to do the right thing. So he's going to be a luchador to make money for the orphans. And it's just like, you know, the orphans, they are my heart. I mean, I love it. It's like so fun. Um, I can watch that one over and over again anytime. But the first time I saw it was with my sister and her husband. And, and my husband and I had gone to their house and she had rented it. She was like, oh, let's watch this. So we watch it and her and I are just dying. We're crying tears, right? We're laughing so hard. And our husbands are just sitting there like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. They were just like, how in the world is this funny? But yeah, classic. So I guess uh, 
that sense of humor in the family because it. it's also one of my son's favorite movies too. <laughs> I've, I've never seen it. Oh, what? Okay. Okay. We're, we're going to do a movie night. We are doing a we, movie night. We're going to have a sleepover during winter break, another sleepover, another slumber party, yes. and we'll have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll have to have a podcast recording marathon and we'll have to we'll have to watch that. Yes. Yes. Definitely. All right. And then we'll have to we'll have to re- report about my adventure on the podcast. You'll do a movie <laughs> review of it. Yes, definitely. All right, favorite song. <laughs> oh, I have so many favorite songs, but right now one of the songs that I just love is Woman at the Well by Olivia Lane. And it just talks about how, um, you know, she feels unlovable. She feels that um, she's alone. And apparently, like, I don't know what her story is, but in the the lyrics, it talks about, you know, sitting at home alone, drinking red wine, and um, then staring down at the bottom of the bottle. And, you know, so obviously the, the lyrics spoke to me because of my own experience. But, you know... Tonight, and the part of the lyric says, because tonight I feel just like the woman at the well, wondering how someone could love me when I can't love myself. But you mm-hmm. want me as I am. And that sounds crazy. I guess maybe that's why grace is so amazing. And that's so beautiful. I love that part that that's why grace is so amazing. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. I don't, I probably have heard it, but offhand, I can't, I can't even, I can't. I can't hear it, you know, I yeah. can't hear it in my mind. So I'll have to. I'll Olivia have to Lane would probably appreciate me not singing it. So I won't do that. <laughs> She'll be like, no, don't do that. Again. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to um, link to that it. in the, in the podcast show notes, yeah, that'd be great. You know, people can sure. listen to that on her, um, on YouTube. Yeah. We'll do that. And your favorite book. I know you like to read. You got a reader. Oh man. I, I love books. Um, goodness. I think for me, uh, Ernest Hemingway, <laughs> I do love for whom the bell tolls. I know it's so stupid. Oh. <laughs> oh my. I know. I know. We definitely have different tastes. I like dystopian novels. <laughs> I haven't read anything really amazing that's fiction lately, but I've been reading a lot of nonfiction books. So um, I think I would probably say Awakening the Brain is my favorite right now. Um, And that's by, oh, let me look it up because her story, she was a nun and she studies, she studied um, neuropsychology. It's called Awakening the Brain, the Neuropsychology of Grace um, by Charlotte Tomeno. And that book also gave me a lot of insight into what happens to the brain when we, when we shower it with alcohol every day. You know, how our neural pathways are, are formed by the habit of the alcohol and how it takes what it takes to get out of that habit. So I love that book. That's, that's probably my favorite nonfiction. What's it called again? It's called Awakening the Brain, the Neuropsychology of Grace. Oh, wow. And her name is Charlotte Tomeno. 
I think it would be cool to do a book club one day with our renewed mind life family and, um, and read through that book. It's kind of a, you know, it's heavy read in some places, but I think it's relatable. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. My last read, um, last week I read Macbeth. Oh, you had to. <laughs> yeah. But I think Macbeth, I think he was drinking a little, I don't know. He was a little crazy. He acted like he was drinking a lot, but I don't know. Good read though. If you haven't read it in a while. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I recommend the, uh, the short version. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So finish the analogy. Oh no. If alcohol were an animal, it would be a snake because it'll bite you in the butt. <laughs> it'll bite you more than in the butt. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, last week we had Cindy, Cinderella, the cat. Can you tell everyone who I've got on my lap? Nala. And, and Nala, the dog, is so cute right now. She's wearing her little Santa outfit. And she looks <laughs> adorable. I want her. <laughs> All right. So if anybody wants to email us to request an autographed picture of Nala, <laughs> the little miniature Australian, she miniature Australian shepherd, you can have an autographed uh, paw print of Nala to send us an email at re renewedmindlife at gmail.com. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, renewedmindlife at gmail.com. Send, send us your comments, questions. Let us know you're out there listening. Yes, please. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would love to hear from you. Until next week, God bless you. Until next week. And have God a great day. 